Well, it is great to see everybody this morning. I hope that your week is off to a good start. Um, how many of you are what you would describe and consider ready for Christmas? Right. Fantastic. Okay, cool. Um, I, I don't know where we would fit into that. I think we're pretty close, right? I mean, you know, little things to do here and there. But, um, you know, we're in that mode where we're not very far from Christmas. We're, what is it, 10 days now, right? Um, 10 days from Christmas. Um, but before I jump too much into talking about Christmas, I want to talk to you about a little something else, um, about kids' ministry. Now, we have been pushing kids' ministry quite a bit over the last few months, and um, we've got some exciting things that we have planned for kids' ministry next year. But those exciting things can only happen when we as a church body come together and make them happen. They don't happen magically when the Kidco fairies show up and make Kidco happen, right? Or the Kidco angels that God sends to make Kidco happen. You all follow me? Yeah? Okay. So some of you uh, volunteer regularly in Kidco, and to those of you who do that, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, some of you, though, I'm, I'm pretty convinced, don't volunteer because you feel like, yeah, listen, I don't really like kids all that much. Okay? Or, I like kids, but I'm not good with kids. Yeah? Or, look at me, I'm a little bit older, I can't be getting down on the floor and wrestling with kids and messing and playing with kids and all that stuff. There is no place for me in kids' ministry, right? Some of you feel that way. Look, I know some of you feel that way because I've heard you say it. Right? Okay? I get it. I understand it. So what I would like to do to you, to, to you, <laughs> what I would like to do today is talk to you briefly uh, about an opportunity uh, in kids' ministry where you don't even have to encounter a child. I know! Like, I, some of you are like, N are you teasing us right now? I'm really not teasing you. Here's what we need. Okay, we're trying to create an environment next year where when our teachers come in on Sunday mornings to teach the children at the various age levels, they come into a lesson that is already prepared for them and crafts and materials that are already put together. So all they have to do is show up, having prepared and looked a little bit at their lesson ahead of time, and just come here and just do what they do in kids' ministry. Okay, so in other words, you don't have to get here at 9 o'clock in the morning and spend an hour and a half cutting out little papers and getting, make sure you've got glue and whatever else you need. I, I don't know what all these things are because I'm not in that area, okay? But what I do know is this. You have an opportunity to help our kids' ministry by coming in like one hour during the week and prepping a teacher's box or bucket or whatever you want to call it. It's not hard at all. In fact, Heather, back here, Heather Clark, who's sitting right back here, is a whiz and a genius at organizing and prepping all of our teacher stuff. She's put this whole plan together so that the people who prep the lessons each week put together a list of materials that are needed, and all the people that prepare the buckets have to do is look at said list, go to said supply closet that's back there, pull stuff out, and put it in a bucket. Uh, yeah. How many of you were like, yeah, that's too hard for me? Yeah, some of you were like, you know, I'll pray for you, right? So for those of you who are in the camp who say, I'm just too old to teach kids, if you're retired and you get a chance to spend a lot of time at home during the week, we could use you for one hour 
a week to come in and help us prep these buckets for these teachers, right? We can use you. So for those of you who sit around thinking, I'm just not useful anymore, God just can't use me in the stage I'm in, or whatever it is, that excuse is gone, right? Gone. If you're one of those people who's like, I just don't like little kids, they get on my nerves. Hey, I'm telling you right now, you don't have to see any kids, right? Right, Heather, do they have to see any kids to do this? No. You can let the people who are good with kids do what they're good at. And you can do something that you can do to help them be able to focus more on loving on those kids and creating an environment where they feel loved by their church family. Teachers are less stressed out. It's just better all the way around. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you think, hey, that's something I could do. I want you, after church today, to see this person. Heather, I need you to stand up for me for just a second. I want you to see her. Where, are you going? where can I have you be? Heather, can you stand back here by the... Well, I'll have her stand right back there. And I want you, if you want to ask further questions or you need clarification, you talk to her about that, and she will answer your questions, and, and we'll, we'll get it going and, and working. We'll work with you um, at the times and all of that stuff. We'll try to make it workable for you. But we need your help to be able to make this happen, okay? Those of you who are already teaching, we're not talking to you right now, okay? So I don't want you to feel like, oh, he's asking me to do one more thing. I'm not asking you to do one more thing. We're trying to create an opportunity for everybody to be able to be a part of what we do as a church to make this thing work, right? Yes. Yes. I'm going to ask you all a question. How many of you get really excited when you show up for a family gathering where everybody's supposed to bring something, and there's that one person or those two people who never bring anything? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Or you're like, look, I spent $37.86 on what I brought, and they spent $0.29 in the checkout line at Kroger to bring what they brought. Y'all know what I'm talking about here? Y'all feel me? Y'all feel me? Now, obviously, I'm being a little bit extreme in those examples, okay? What we don't want to do as a church is have an environment where we got some people who are bringing all the stuff and then other people who aren't bringing anything, right? Because we're supposed to be a family, and so families jump in and they help each other out. They support one another. They do things for each other, and that's what we want to do. So when we're talking to those of you who are like, yeah, I just don't have time to do that. Maybe you do have time to do it, but you just don't want to take the time to do it. Okay? So I'm asking you from the depths of my heart, in order to create this environment that we want to create for our kids, to be able to learn and grow, okay, and feel loved at their church, we just need a little bit more help. Yes? Yes. Praise the Lord. Okay. I'm going to move on from that. Because it's Christmas, and I don't want any of you to feel like the pastor's yelling at me during Christmas. Okay? It's not my goal. Okay. So, we are in the middle of a series, actually right in the middle, of a three-week series called With Us. Based on the scripture in Matthew chapter 123, where the Bible says that the virgin will conceive and give birth. And she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. All right? Wouldn't it be awesome if during the Christmas season, every day and every night was like silent night? Where you just feel this, oh, right? Because when you hear that song, it does kind of, you, it's just so peaceful and calm and, and soothing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's, some of you are like, yeah, it's really boring, okay? But there's something about that song, sleep in heavenly peace. 
How awesome would it be if every day was just like peace? Yeah? Now, how many of you live that every day? Yeah. You're like, listen, every day is peace for me, right? My life is just peace. Fantastic. We had a conversation in our small group. Not really a conversation. It was like a little joke of sorts. Uh, Marcella, who teaches our, um, one of our Kidco weeks, um, she was talking about how she'd read a story where Jesus makes this statement. You think I came to bring peace to the world? I didn't. Right? And she's like, but we're singing these songs that talk about peace. Right? Peace to the world and all that stuff. And it was such an interesting little conversation where we were thinking like, what did Jesus mean? We're not going to talk about that this morning. That, that's not really what we're going to talk about, okay? What we are going to talk about, though, is this idea of peace in the midst of a storm, right? Because I don't know about you, but there are many times in my life that I experience storm and not peace. Sometimes they're like these little squalls that come out of nowhere, really short bursts of like heavy rain and wind. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like when you're driving down the street with your spouse and something comes up and you react poorly and all of a sudden a squall hits your car, you know what I'm talking about? Or your kids. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah? Yeah. Dawn and I, we, we, just, we just had this happen the other day, I think. I don't even know what we were arguing about, but man, it was something fun. I was throwing a temper tantrum, she said. Yeah. And so... You know, you set out, you mean well, and it seems peaceful, but out of nowhere comes this, like, storm. Sometimes it's really short and it's over, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Other times, though, not so much. Yeah? Other times, those storms seem to last a long time. Today, what we want to talk about is how God is with us in the storm. Last week, we talked about how God is with us in the wilderness. Today, we want to talk about how God is with us in the storm. Well, when we talk about a storm, just like last week, we're clearly not talking about a physical storm, but we're talking about storms that hit us in life. So when we say that God is with us in the storm, when God is with us in the terror of the storm, we're talking about things like betrayal. How many of you have ever felt betrayed in your world, in your life? You've ever felt betrayed, right? Yeah. Okay, we felt betrayed before. Some of us have experienced Divorce, maybe you experienced that as a child. Maybe you experienced that as a spouse. Maybe you're experiencing that now in some capacity. Divorce can be a really difficult storm that we go through. Depression, right? Anxiety, right? Depression, anxiety can be storms, and these things can last long, long periods of time. Addiction can be a terrible storm you have to endure. Sickness, physical sickness, can be a terrible, terrible storm to endure. Here's what we want you to know today, and I'm I'm throwing my important things out to you very early in sermons in this series. If you don't remember anything else that I say all day today, okay? Some of you have already forgotten most of what I've said, but if you don't remember anything that I've said today, I want you to remember this one thing, okay? Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of of God. We're going to say that one more time. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God, as if only one of those two things can exist at the same time, right? 
if there's a storm in my life, it must be because God isn't. Or if God is in my life, then there won't be a storm. These two things are not mutually exclusive things. So when you're in the midst of a storm, never allow yourself to allow that storm, the presence of that storm, to cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're someone who says, yes, I, I believe in, in God and the divinity of his son, Jesus, that he came and he sacrificed himself for me, that he died and rose up three days later, the power of sin and death in his hands, and that he washes away all of the wrong I've done in my life, making me right in the sight of God, right? If you believe those simple things right there, call yourself a follower of Christ, God will be present in your life even though you may be encountering a storm. So never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. I want to read to you a very short passage of scripture found in the book of Acts where we find a Bible character, Paul, who's enduring a storm. And we're going to try to pull some things out of this passage that apply to us um, in our lives today, not necessarily specifically related to Christmas, but this idea that when Christ came and was born, he came so that he could be with us in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And he continues to be with us today. We'll talk about that more next week. But today, we're going to talk about how God is with us in the storm, reading from Acts chapter 27. We're going to start reading in verse 20. Acts chapter 27, we're going to begin reading in verse 20. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to turn there. You can follow up along on the screens with us. You can follow along in you version. Uh, but just to give you a little bit of background, Paul has been taken prisoner. He's being transferred from one place to another. He's on a ship, okay? He's on a boat, and um, they're, they're sailing, and some, some bad things are getting ready to, to happen. Acts chapter 27, verse 20 the terrible storm, now they're on this boat, and they're, they're sailing around Crete, and the storm rages, and it says it blotted out the sun and the stars, until at last, all hope was gone. Now, I want to read that for you one more time. Paul and the crew of the ship have this terrible storm that's raging about them for many days, to the point where the sun and stars are not even visible. It's so dark. And it says, until at last all hope was gone. Now maybe some of you can relate to feeling like all hope is gone. Now, maybe not in terms of like all hope is gone from my life, right? But in a situation, in a particular storm, you feel like all hope is gone. There is no hope in this situation. Sometimes that's what storms cause us to do. Sometimes in the midst of a storm, we give up hope. Maybe that's in the storm of a relationship and we just simply give up hope. Maybe it's in the storms of a financial situation where we give up hope. Maybe it's in the storm of a physical ailment that we have. Maybe this is in the presence of like some kind of mental issue, a mental sickness that we have. Who knows what it can be? It can be any number of things. But we find ourselves in a place where the storm has raged for so long that we give up hope. And in Scripture, that's what the Bible tells us has happened to the crew 
of this ship. The storm has raged on, blotting out the sun and the stars. Finally, they just accepted that it's going to end, that it's over. There is no hope. Sometimes we give up hope because we feel like this storm will never stop raging, and it will be too strong, and it will swallow us up. The Bible continues in verse 21 saying this, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together, right? Paul calls the crew of the whole ship together, and he says this, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. Now, maybe there are some of you who already don't like the character of Paul in the Bible, right? Some, some Christians have an issue with Paul. They're like, yeah, Paul seems a little arrogant. Well, this is probably one of those moments that doesn't necessarily make you like him anymore, okay? Right? Because here's what happened. Paul, before they ever set sail, felt like they shouldn't have gone where they were going to go. And he didn't make any bones about telling them about it, but they decided to go that way anyway. The Bible actually says earlier in the passage that the crew listened to the other sailors more than they listened to Paul. Well, I have to be honest with you, there's a part of me that thinks, well, they're sailors and Paul isn't. I mean, it makes sense, right? Okay? But it's interesting what Paul says here. He's like, guys, you should have listened to me in the first place because if you'd listened to me, we wouldn't be in this mess in the first place. Now, how many of you when you're in a storm can't wait for someone to say that to you? Right? You're like looking around for that person in your life who's going to tell you, you should have listened to me and not done this, right? Because that's how we all are. We can't wait for that person to come along and say, mm-mm, I told you. There's very few people are in that line saying, yes, I want you to tell me that you told me so. But here's the reality. There's a reality that we have to face, and that is this. Sometimes we knowingly sail right into the teeth of a storm. Okay? I know, this, I know you're like, wow, Ryan, well, I mean, this was going so well. Sometimes... We know that what we're getting ready to do will bring a storm or could bring a storm. And yet we go anyway, right? Yeah. Here's the reality. Sometimes in life, we would like to blame our storm on something else. But in reality, our storm is our own fault. Okay? I know some of you are like, oh boy, this is Christmas. I cannot believe that this is the route you're going with this sermon. Right? Sometimes we sail right into a storm. There are all kinds of warning signs because everybody else is going this way and you're going that way, right? There's a hurricane down there somewhere and you're driving right into the middle of it. You know that it's there, but you're thinking, eh, I don't know. I mean, how bad can it really be? Y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? Sometimes, sometimes this is what we do. And sometimes it's one of the reasons we give up hope because we feel like I deserve what I'm going through right now. I deserve this, so I'm just going to give up. God, just take me home. I've earned what I'm getting. Because we made the decision, we're like, um, I just give up. I did this. I made this mistake. It's my fault. And so I just give up hope. See, I don't know what happened in your notes because it cut off part of my, it cut off part of my thing here, okay? 
Sometimes it's easy to believe that God will rescue you from a storm that he put in your path, right? It's harder to believe God will rescue you from a storm that you knowingly sailed into. Yes? Sometimes it's hard to believe that God will rescue me or be with me in a storm that I created or that I sailed into. It's easy to think, well, God put this storm in front of me. He will certainly pull me out of it, right? But sometimes it's hard to accept that I did this. Why would God be with me in a storm that I sailed into? And I don't know how to tell you why he does that. All I know is that he does. Now, some of you are thinking, whoa, that sounds like heresy. And I'm not saying that God doesn't allow us to suffer consequences, but understand something. Even if we sail into a storm that we create, God stays with us. Now, it's hard to accept that. It's hard to believe that. But sometimes our storms are our own fault. And so rather than blame it on someone else, sometimes we just need to own it and be like, you know what? Yeah. I did this. This is my own doing. And so, but that doesn't mean that God somehow abandons us and says, okay, fine. I would liken it to those of you who have children, right, whom you love, and you watch your kids as they get ready to make some terrible decision. And you're like, I'm telling you, there's a storm right on the other side of this decision. And they're like, I don't care. This is what I need to do. How many of us just stop loving our children because they sail into the storm? Right? How many of you have your child sailed into a storm and then they realized what they had done and they said, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm lost. I'm about to give up hope. And you would just say, yeah, I told you not to do it. Right? Sometimes we're in the storms because of decisions that we make. But church, listen to me. Listen. Other times, though, we find ourselves in storms because of decisions other people make. Yeah? You see, sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of a storm because someone else made a decision that we had no control over. And we have to suffer the consequences of the decisions that they have made. That's a hard, hard place to be, yes? Yeah. In part because none of us want to be in a storm in the first place. It's one thing when we do it, but when someone else does it, now we're fighting the storm and we're fighting the anger and the bitterness and the resentment of someone else causing that storm for us. We have a whole multiple layers of issues in storms that other people create for us. Sometimes we are innocent bystanders in a storm that was created by someone else. In church, I wish that there was like some easy thing that I could say to you that would make that storm better for you, right? That I could just say these magic words and your storm would just suddenly disappear. But the unfortunate reality is it doesn't work that way. Sometimes the storms are short. Sometimes the storms are long. Sometimes they're heavy and they're hard to endure. But the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing about those storms is this, and we find it in verses 22 and 23. Paul says to them, I already told you we shouldn't have gone this way. You didn't listen to me, and now look what's happened. He's had his I told you so moment. But then he says, but take courage. 
listen to what Paul says. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship is going to go down. Because last night an angel of the God to whom I serve stood beside me. Now I want you to stop and I want you to think about that. An angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve came and stood beside me. An angel stood beside me. Even in the presence of the storm, God stands with his children. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. An angel came and stood beside me. See, it can be hard in the storm, right? To recognize that God in some form is standing with us because there are so many things that cause us to fear, right? We start thinking of all the things. I mean, in the middle of a storm, you're thinking of everything except the peace that God wants to bring and put into your spirit because he stands with you. It's hard to see and understand and experience all those things because there are all these other things that that peripherally and in front of us are hard for us to see past. But the Bible says, Paul says, an angel came and stood beside me in the storm. There are other places in Scripture where this same thought is explained in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Everyone deserted me. Everyone deserted me. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Paul endured a number of storms in his life, not just shipwreck storms, but being imprisoned and being punished and persecuted. There are all these things. And then in the Old Testament, the psalmist says, I know the Lord is always with me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. Why? Because he is right beside me. Now, here's the next thought. If you don't, I want you to remember the first one more. If you can only remember one thought, then just remember the first one. Okay, but I'm going to give you another one. Okay? The other one is this. Peace is not the absence of a storm. Peace is the presence of God. Now, that one, peace is not the absence of storm. In other words, do not think that peace exists because problems do not exist. Peace is not the absence of problem. Peace is not the absence of storm. Peace is the presence of God. We can think that because we have no storm, we can think that because we have no issues or problems or whatever, that we must have peace. But real, true peace spiritually is when God is present in your life. So even though storms rage and all these bad things happen, you can still have peace. How many of you know people who have endured tremendous difficulty and yet somehow they still seem to have peace? Yes, And yet there are people who you might look at and think they have everything going their way, and yet for some reason they don't have peace. You see, peace is not the absence of problem. Peace is not merely the absence of storm. Peace is the presence of God. And so whether we're in a storm or not, God stands with us. Sometimes for some of us, Christmas is a really hard season. The holiday, the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas can be really difficult for a lot of people because they don't have 
peace in their families, or in, whether it's their immediate family or their extended family. They don't have peace in their situations with, with friends or whoever it might be. And it just seems like things, there's no, there's no peace. It's storm. It's uncomfortable. I don't, I don't like it. Maybe some of you don't have a close family near you. Maybe some of you, your parents have already gone, and, and you don't have family. And Christmas represents anything but like this warm, peaceful moment. And sometimes the Christmas season presents for you a storm of loneliness and emotion, and maybe there's anger, but who knows what all that is. But God wants us to understand that even, even in the midst of that storm, I stand with you. Now we want to continue reading. Acts chapter 27, verses 24 and 25. Paul continues and he says, listen, don't be afraid. Though the angel says, don't be afraid, Paul, because surely you're going to stand trial before Caesar. Now, I don't know about you, but that does not give me peace, right? Don't be afraid, Paul, because the best or the worst is yet to come. In other words, here's what God is saying, though. God is saying, look, what I put out in front of you to do is not finished yet. You are not going to die in this situation because there's still more for you to do, okay? You're going to stand trial before Caesar, so take heart. What's more, the angel says, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So, Paul tells these men on the ship with him, take courage, for I believe God that it will be just as he said. Now, this is important, because you have to understand that the moment at which Paul says this, what is happening? What is happening? They're still in a storm. You see, I think for some of us, we think, oh, the storm has calmed, and Paul's talking to them in this calm moment. No. The sun and the moon are still blotted out. There's no stars. The storm is raging. The sink, the sink, the ship is taking on water. It's going to sink. This whole bunch of bad stuff is still happening. And Paul's like, guys, listen, don't worry about it. And they're probably looking at him like, dude, are you kidding me? Do you see what is happening around you? And so Paul's trying to tell him, guys, listen, I have to stand before Caesar. So don't worry about this moment. We're going to get through this moment. God has promised me this. And what's happening here is what we're seeing is faith playing itself out in the middle of a storm. Oh, my goodness, I lost my notes. Oh, there they are. Because faith is not found, as you can see on the screen. Hopefully it will come up on the screen. Faith is not found in what we see. It is found in what God says, right? Now, this is hard. Faith is not found in what we can see in front of us. Faith is found in what God says. You see, when we're in the storm, how easy is it for us to see through and pass the storm? It's not easy, is it? In fact, in some cases, it's impossible. I know there have been times where you, you look out and you see on the horizon a storm coming, right? And it looks so incredibly dark, doesn't it? There are times when the sky looks so dark. And as the storm gets closer, what happens? What happens to the sky as the storm gets closer and it comes right over top of you? Yeah. And then once the storm kind of passes over, then what happens? It gets, we, it gets light and so we can see again, right? But in the middle of the storm, we can't see beyond the storm. And so what do we have to do when we cannot see beyond the storm? We have to have faith. We have to believe, right? We have to put our trust in that what God says is true. 
Because faith, by definition, is, is belief in something that we cannot see or touch or know or experience. That's faith. God says, I will be with you in the storm. And we have to believe that that is true. Because are there moments when you look around and you think, where is God? Yes. God, where are you? I continually call out for you. Why are you not here with me? And Satan will come right in your other ear and say, because you made a mistake and you sailed in the storm. And you know God can't come into the storm. And so you begin to buy these lies that Satan wants to feed you, that this is all your fault and God is gone and he's abandoned you and you're worthless. You should just give up. God wants us to understand that he will stand with us in the storm, even if we created the storm. But we have to believe that, church, because we can't always see it, yes? You can't always turn and be like, oh, there's God. You may not see him in a moment, but you have to take heart and believe and put your faith in what God says. You may not be able to control the storm, right? Any of you who have gone through a storm know that no matter how hard you try, you cannot control the storm. Now, you can give it your best shot. Go for it, right? You can try to be like Jesus and put your hands up and say, I command you to be silent. And chances are pretty good that it won't happen because you're not Jesus. You don't command the wind and the rain and the storm. You can't control the storm, how long it lasts, how strong it is, when it hits, where it hits. But what you can control is where you choose to put your faith. What you can control is believing that even though this storm is hard and I want to give up hope, I believe that God is with me. Believe Emmanuel, God is with me. And because I understand that peace is not the absence of storms. Peace is the presence of God. And so I'm when in these situations, I have to seek out God. And I have to say, God, I don't feel your presence right now. I don't know where you are, but I have faith that you're here. And I ask you to strengthen and build me up. Hold me safe in the palm of your hand. May I experience your strength and your goodness and your mercy, whatever it is that we stand in need of. In that moment, because God is with us. I want to leave you with a passage from Psalms chapter 46 this morning. Just a few verses. Psalms chapter 46. This is Old Testament, okay? So remember, this is before Jesus. God, the Bible says in Psalm 46, is our refuge and our strength. Okay? Our refuge and our strength. Always ready to help. In times of trouble. And then I want you to hear these words. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Y'all hear that? Why will we not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea? Because God is our refuge and our strength. How many of you would naturally be afraid if you were in the middle of an earthquake? I mean, let's be real about it. How many of you would stand in your second story or third story during an earthquake and be like, it's all good, man? Right? It's all good. What do you mean you're going to go down on the lower level? What, 
What do you mean the tornadoes, you're going to go in the bathroom, to, or in the basement of a tornado? Why would you do that? We don't have to worry about any of that. Well, is that what it means, church? You think that's what it means? No. What it means is we put our faith and trust in the refuge that God is, in the strength that God is. We put our faith in that. We won't fear when the earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the seas. It even goes so far as to say this, let the oceans roar and foam, right? Let the mountains tremble and let the waters surge. In other words, church, here's the thing. No matter what is going on around us, no matter what you endure, no matter what storm you may find yourself in the middle of, God serves as your refuge and your strength. He stands with you in the eye of the storm. He stands with you no matter whether you caused that storm or whether someone else caused that storm or God allowed that storm to come. God stands with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Not just at Christmas time 2,000 years ago, not just when Jesus walked on the earth, but now. Next week, we're going to talk about how God is with us always through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. Emmanuel isn't just about Jesus in the flesh. Emmanuel is about God being with his people always in the wilderness and in the storm. If you are here today, please hear me. If you are here today and you find yourself in a storm and you walk through your life thinking, I don't understand why God is absent. Maybe it's not God that has been absent. Maybe it is where you have chosen to put your faith. Maybe it is where you have chosen to put your focus. Maybe it's because you don't believe that peace can exist in the storm because God exists with you in the storm. My hope and prayer for you today is this. If you are in a storm, that you will understand that God stands with you and God provides peace. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what your storm, peace is found in God not in the absence of a storm. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, today my prayer is that there, if, if there is anyone seated in this space this morning who is facing and enduring a storm, regardless of what that storm is, regardless of why that storm exists, my prayer, Lord, is that they would understand what you want to provide for us during the storm. More importantly, God, if there's anyone here who's in a storm, that does not know you personally. Lord, my prayer is that this storm would serve as a way to help draw us closer to an understanding of who and what you really are, what you really want for our lives. Not to put a thumb of oppression upon us, Father, but instead to walk with us through every stage of life, to exist in relationship with us, as a father and a child, guiding, directing, loving, caring. Lord, be with us throughout the remainder of this Christmas season. Lord, for those who are in a storm this Christmas, my prayer is that they would experience peace, that they would put their faith and trust in you, and that you would walk with them during their storm. We love you, we praise you, we ask all of these things in your name today. Amen. Hope to see you back next week for week number three. God is with us always. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.